And I'm excited about the word of the Lord this morning. And uh, I'm going to speak from, who knows what verse I'm going to speak from. Uh, Hebrews 4.12. That is correct. We're almost halfway through that magnificent verse on the greatness of the Word of God. And we're going to continue a little bit uh, this morning. And Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Now, in the last few messages, I separated or God's word separated soul from spirit. And we focused on spirit and saw the wonder and the power of our spirits, the place where God dwells. And in doing that, we put aside the soul. And in some ways, it seemed maybe that the soul is not as important as our spirit. Our spirit needs prominence. It's where God dwells. It's where the power of God is released into our lives. But I want to tell you this morning that we have a wonderful soul. A wonderful soul. And the soul that God has given us is like the starter motor or the ignition of our being, our lives. You think when you wake up in the morning, if it wasn't for your soul, you'd never get up. You'd never get up, but you wake up and you think... Your mind says, look, I've got to get the kids ready for school. I've got to get ready for work. Then the emotion says, I'm tired, but my love for family demands I do this. And our will clicks in and we say we will arise and we get up and we begin the day. Now, without our soul that has our mind, emotion and will, we would never get up. We would never do the things that we do. It is the starter motor. It is the ignition of our being and as such is immensely important to the kingdom of God and to our lives. In Genesis chapter 2, we have God creating Adam out of the dust. He formed Adam of the, out of the dust of the ground, out of the ingredients in the soil. All that man is was in those ingredients and God masterfully formed Adam, formed a human being with its systems that that, that would allow it to live and, and would allow it to function, the wonder of the human body. And uh, those of you that are from the medical field know the, the wonder, and we could go on and talk about you know, uh, how many veins we have and the length, and we could go on. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, God made with his own hands, 
and God placed within that form, that, that statue at that particular moment. He put the veins, he put the systems, he put the internal organs. And then God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, his spirit, his image, and man became a living soul. Miraculously, as body was filled with God, God's spirit, that part of us that's eternal, God created and allowed to form that the human body could function, God allowed to form our souls. The mind, the emotion and the will. And when you think that in that creation, in that forming of man, in that breath of God, it, it, the, the abilities of civilization were in Adam and then in Eve. All the brilliance of history, all the achievements of humanity, they were all there. The wonder of God, God's wonder in the universe and what he has created and he's what the wonder of God and his power in the creation of the human being. And God breathed into man his breath and man became a living soul. And though we looked at spirit and saw its importance, I want to tell you that the soul that God has given you is immensely important. And I want to function on it. I want to rather focus on it this morning. God formed from the dusty ingredients of earth a wonderful body with all that would ever need for life and breathed into that body his breath. The soul controls the body and keeps the body in harmony with the spirit. Life in the Garden of Eden was perfect in every dimension. And so when Adam was able, with the breath of God, able to stand and begin to communicate and think and love and will, God placed him in the Garden of Eden. God formed Eve from his side, from his rib. And we have in that paradise situation, soul and spirit functioning in wonderful harmony. We find that Adam has a mind that, that, that is unbelievable and and he names all the animals, he names the plants. He has an ability, the abilities that God has placed within our minds are, are amazing. And uh, with his mind, he's, he, 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 he knows God, what, what God has said and, and, and the wonder of his mind we find. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. In the Garden of Eden, mind, the mind of Adam and Eve was capable and unlimited. The emotion of Adam was amazing to God and Eve and creation. The desire for fellowship. The Bible doesn't tell us everything that goes on, but there are enough words that that the wonderful emotions that God placed within the soul that would go toward God and go to, to, to Eve, his wife, and the animal kingdom were amazing. 
And finally, the will that he had (coughs) in perfection that God gave him kept paradise and enjoyment of God together. The will that he would obey God. And God placed within the Garden of Eden two trees. We know he placed a tree of life which guaranteed the forever. The forever. As he would eat of the tree of life, life would be forever. The spirit, of course, was eternal. But the body would be forever. And then, of course, you had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this guaranteed free will for only God wanted worship and communion and uh, and fellowship God wanted it out of a heart that was willing out of a heart that wanted him and wanted and loved him and his power and his grace and you know the souls that God has given us can lead us Godward and when we're led Godward we're eating of the tree of life Or the soul with its function of mind, emotion and will can lead us sinward when we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you know, we see that in the life of Solomon. We see that when Solomon ate from the tree of life, the abilities that gave him, he was able to bless the world with the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has never been superseded. There's nothing else on earth like the wisdom uh, of of Solomon and and the Proverbs that we have. If Solomon hadn't eaten of the tree of life, he would have never ever written the Song of Solomon that portrays love in its fullest and its most wonderful and is a picture of our love and relationship with God. But then we find Solomon also ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we have the result in the book of Ecclesiastes. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, he tries every conceivable pleasure There was nothing that was not allowed to him. Rather than be satisfied with the tree of life, he turned to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this also is vanity. I said of laughter it is madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine, while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their life. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions 
of herds and flocks and all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers and delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Whatever my eyes decide, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. And I could go on. That wasn't Solomon eating from the tree of life. That was Solomon partaking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result, he got himself into all sorts of trouble that as you read his journey and the conflict of his soul, he comes to the end and says, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. And, can be, and nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken away from it. And then he concludes the second last verse and Ecclesiastes says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You you see, our soul is attracted to the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all the sin that comes into our life is from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that brings disobedience and heartache in our lives and so the most important part of our soul as important as our mind and emotions are is the will is our will the will of the soul you know the soul has tremendous power when you think of the power of the mind the education that many of you have and you know, what our mind's capable of, and you look at the history of humanity, the tremendous power of our mind. God has given that to us that it might, we might bless the world. God has given it as a blessing, tremendous power. And then you have the tremendous power of emotion, the ability to love the unlovely, the ability to love and have a heart that's so great. There's so much in emotion and, and you know, God has given us power, this power in emotion that's good. And then, of course, you have the ultimate power of the will, of the will where we can choose to or choose not to. We can choose the tree of life or we can choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as we looked at spirit where God dwells, I want to say this morning that soul and spirit can and need to live in harmony. And they only can if we choose it, if we allow it, if we will it. Our will is so important to God and the kingdom and the world. The the great battle that goes on in the world and in the heavenlies uh, (coughs) is the battle for the human will. There are two ways to the will. There's the way of mind, reasoning, trying to convince 
showing that we can get a response that's positive. That's one way to the will, to say yes. And normally a teaching ministry might focus a little bit more on, on the mind, information, the Word of God that can bring a decision of, yes, I'm going to follow God. Yes, I'm going to apply the teaching of the Word of God. And then you have the means of emotion. And by emotion, often it's the, the prophetic ministry, the evangelic ministry that brings the fear of God into us and, and touches our emotions that we fear and, and we want eternal life. And we make a decision. We make a choice. I've learned over the years that the best way to get to your wife is not through the mind, but through the emotion. How many of you know that? If you don't know that, this is going to be worth a lot of money to you. You need to put more in the offering next week. If you tell your wife, you're my wife and you should do it because, 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 you get a wonderful response, don't you? But if you tell your wife, look, I just love you so much and I need your help, your wife will melt. Is that right, Pastor Marty? And that's what Pastor Marty was doing to Pastor Margot this morning. Not really. <laughs> I think it was a little bit the other way. I'm fooling. I'm fooling. You know, the business world, TV, what are they after? They're after your will. You know, they'll do it through the mind. Yes, you've got to have this. It's going to be so much easier. You're going to be able to make cakes so beautifully. And, you know, all the advertising aims for our mind. Or that we've got to have it because it's reasonable. It doesn't matter what else we've got in the kitchen. But we must have this. We can't live without it. And they often do that through the mind. Or they'll do it through emotion. Oh, you're going to feel so much better. Look at these beautiful people, uh, you know, beside the swimming pool. They're, they're never overweight, are they? They're never old. You know, the people that succeed uh, uh, with light and easy. You know, I've never seen people that kind of, I wonder if light and easy would work with. They're always, they're, they're always and they work on the emotion. Oh, the thrill, the will. The will. The will is so, so important. And I want to tell you this morning that we need to use our mind, emotion, and will to serve God, to live with God, to serve the church, to serve our family. You know, our mind with all its abilities, David writes in Psalm 119.67, My soul keeps your testimonies. And I love them exceedingly. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Within our soul, within our mind, we can cooperate with our spirit and we can have the mind of Christ that listens to the promptings of our spirit. And then 
our emotions. Psalm 42, 1 says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, that emotion of longing and desire. For God can be within the emotions that God has given us. Psalm 35, 9, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. There are many other psalms where where spirit and soul, the emotion can be joined, they can be in harmony. And this is really the crux of spiritual life. Paul says in Romans 5.5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The love of God we're capable of having and living in harmony with soul and spirit. And then the will, that part of us that... Everyone wants. Everyone wants our will. Yes, we'll say yes. We'll, we'll do. We'll buy. Our will too can be in harmony with what God wants in our spirit. Colossians 1.9, Paul writes, For this reason, do not, I do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and understanding. Our will can know and desire the will of God and follow the will of God. Hebrews 13, 21, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight. 1 John 2, 17, and the world is passing away and the lusts of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever and so the wonder of our soul its power its capabilities what it's able to do when it sets its mind to when it gives its will to when it gives its heart to the amazing soul that we have even though it will cease to exist when we leave this world and when we get a new body, it'll be a new function of spirit. But we won't go into the eschatology of it. But while we're alive, we have the soul. And you know, Christian living needs to be able to work with soul and spirit. Soul and spirit. We don't want to be so spiritual that we don't recognize God in the simple things. I heard this story years ago and I came across it this week where there was a devastating flood in a rural community. And this Christian farmer said, God, I pray that you'll deliver me. And I believe you'll deliver me. And the waters began to rise and he climbed the roof and they reached halfway to his house, halfway up his house. And his farmer friend came along in a motorboat and said, look, come on down, I'll, I'll take you and I'll save you. No, no, I've prayed to God, he will deliver me. You know the story. And then the water had reached the roof and he climbed on the chimney and the SES worker came in a Rubber dinky and said, hurry up, come on, I can save you. No, no, I don't need your help. I've prayed to God and he will deliver me. And then finally he's pitched 
on the chimney and the water has reached the chimney and has almost reached him. And a red cross worker comes in the canoe and says, look, you've got a few minutes. Come on down and I'll save you. No, I don't need your help. I've prayed to God and he will deliver me. The waters kept rising. He drowned, came into through the pearly gates and said, Lord, why didn't you do something? I believed that you would rescue me. I believed you would deliver me. And Jesus said, I tried three times, but you refused each one of them. And you know, Christian life is a mixture of that which is spiritual and that which seems to come. And God, in a wonderful, mysterious way, brings it all together. And I'm going to ask Rodney to come and share a testimony now that brings a little bit of this together. It's something that we wanted to share at Easter, but for reasons you'll learn in a moment, you'll be thrilled at what he's going to share. Come on, Rodney. Do we have a microphone? Do we, which one can we use? Yeah. He didn't really want to do this. He reckons he's not a public speaker. I've heard him speak. He's all right. But the message he's got, he's going to bring for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Come on, Rodney. No, I'm not a public speaker. It's not one of the things I inherited from my father. <laughs> Uh, about six weeks ago, I was going to a, a conference in Sydney and I was driving along and I got some intense pain in my abdominal area. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had kidney stones and it was very reminiscent. I persisted through and took pain medication and stayed in the conference and when I got back to Newcastle, I went to my doctor. And I'm very lucky I've got a Christian doctor. And uh, she got me in and, and saw me and she sent me straight away for scans over at uh, Hunter Street. So I had some scans and... Went back to work and uh, that afternoon I get a call from the medical centre. Oh, can you come in? And I said, oh, I, I don't have an appointment. They said, oh, Dr Kelso wants to see you. I said, uh, well, I, I, I don't have an appointment. And uh, she said, I'll oh, come in anyway. All right. Uh, when would you like me to come in? She traditionally runs late. So she said, I'll oh, come in now. Dr Kelso's waited. She's finished for the day. And uh, that wasn't very pleasant to hear that your doctor who runs late, who usually leaves, was uh, waiting for you to come in. So I go in to see her and she said, uh, there's good news, you don't have any kidney stones that we can see, but they've picked up something else. Uh, there was a, a spot on your large intestine and uh, it could be cancer. It could be whatever stage of cancer. And uh, I said to her, uh, it's okay, I know where I'm going. And she understood what I meant by that, uh, if it was cancer and if it was uh, terminal. And she said, oh, no, no, it's very treatable. Uh, my brother-in-law's had it. We went through all the stages, and he's doing really well now. But uh, we need to do more tests, so she sent me for another scan. So the next day, I did go and do another scan, and uh, I didn't hear till the following week. And it was that uh, weekend that Pastor Marty had his message on the companions of misery and sorrow, which was good to hear <laughs> while we were waiting for the results of the second scan. <laughs> So, okay, well, if, if, that, if that's what it is, that's what it is. And, and I thought to myself, um, I was trusting that Jesus was going to take me to heaven if I had cancer and died, but what about my poor wife and children? Then I, I went crook at myself a little bit. If I trusted Jesus for me, I can trust them for my wife and my children as well. So uh, I went back and uh, 
did the scan, the second scan, and, they, and then she called me to come back in. And she goes, oh, they didn't find anything. And uh, she said, but there was something there in the first place, but they can't find anything now. Well, we'd prayed about it and talked to Dad about it. My wife had told my family in America and they'd prayed about it from America. And it was gone. And she's, um, she said, have you still got some pain? I said, I've still got a little bit of pain. So she pulled out her mobile phone and, and called a urologist. They were booked out, but she asked for a favour, got me in the very next day. So I'd go to the urologist and talk to him and... He said, looked at the charts and looked at the films and he said, yes, yes, I, I can see that. He said, but no, no, you really don't have kidney stones. I think you need to go and see a colon surgeon. I said, okay. So he pulled out his phone, made a call, got me an appointment the very next day. And anyone who's seen doctors, you don't get appointments the very next day and very rarely do you get them with specialists, let alone your just general GP. So the very next day I went to see him. And he says, yes, I can see it there on the first one. No, it's on the second one, but it's got to be there because it's there on the first one. We'll have to have a check. I said, oh, okay. And he said, well, I'll, I'll have to get the camera and have a look. And I was very naive to what have the camera and have a look <laughs> meant. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the camera's all wonderful. It's the preparation that almost killed me, almost killed me. So I, I, I did it anyway and, and I, I talked to Dad about it and he said, yeah, have a check. So last week I went back to see him two weeks after the procedure and I go to his office and talk to Dr Koshi and he says, uh, I said, well, you know, what, how is it? He said, there's nothing there. He said, he said that there's not even polyps and he thought there would be polyps before. So there was absolutely nothing there. So uh, I, I do believe between the first scan and the second scan I was, I was healed and, and it's gone. And it was gone. And just, uh, you know, you, you think about it and it makes you wonder about things here and, and in heaven. And one thing I did do, though, is one of my favourite hymns, and I was just going to read a couple of uh, lines uh, from it, which just sort of plays over in my mind a little bit. Uh, if you're older, you'll know it because uh, I'm closer to 50 than I am to 18 now. <laughs> and uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Okay, And uh, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And I'm just going to uh, read to this from the second verse. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And back to the third, uh, to the third verse. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Saviour, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. So that's just uh, one of the things that uh, helped me through it too. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. The initial report on that first scan suggested a mass of cells and talked about lymph glands. It was not kind of some iffy thing. I believe we've got a miracle of healing. And uh, we're going to share it at Easter, but the surgeon wanted to get in with his camera. <laughs> and, and I was happy and Rodney was happy because when God does something, he does it right. He does it right. We have a wonderful God. Faith comes by hearing. Our mind, as we listen to God's word and listen to testimonies of the power of God, faith comes within our spirit, and we're able 
to believe. And I was saying to Pastor Marty, Pastor Marty, we, we, we just need a few miracles in the church and the church will be filled. And the church, people will come if the power of God is here and their needs are met and their lives are changed. And that's what God wants to do. Amen. Let's stand this morning.